Hello, this is Brian. Welcome to Maximum Libertarian. This is Ben. And this is Josh. So uh, this will be pretty much our first episode. We're restarting it. We're re- you know, it's been a few months, a few weeks. Um, so today we're just going to be talking about some bills that have been going through the House and the Senate. Now that the um, Virginia has flipped over to being Democratic controlled since, what, 1994. Um, I don't know about you guys. It's, it's, it's sad because it's like nothing's really coming through where I'm like, Thankfully, we've got new leadership because the Republicans um, did not do stuff like, for example, they were the ones that blocked or raised the smoking limit to 21 years old. I don't smoke no more, but still the fact of them taking that right uh, was kind of silly to me since it was declining anyway. So, um, yeah, so we're just going to be talking about that. How have y'all been feeling about the House and Senate? Uh, the stuff that they've been pushing through? Well, uh, so far, uh, I can't say there, there's been a whole lot that I can applaud, but I'm very happy today that the uh, assault weapons ban didn't make it through the committee. Uh, so I thought that was some really good news. Uh, so right now, I feel pretty good about that side of it. Right. I as well can't really say that there's too much that I would applaud. I'm also glad that the assault rifle ban did not go through. I think that was a very wise choice on the House's decision to not allow that to pass. Uh, another thing that I'm kind of surprised went through was Virginia passed the $15 an hour minimum wage bill. So over the next couple of years, Virginia is going to slowly raise our minimum wage to $15 an hour. I worry that this might have a very negative effect on small businesses and could negatively impact the state's economy as a whole. Yeah, there's a lot that they've passed that makes me worry that what you're seeing is they're almost giving up power. Um, but what we'll do, we'll get into that in a few minutes. I think what I wanted to do, and I think it's really would be a good idea, we're just going to share with what brought us to either the Libertarian Party, the Libertarian Movement, what makes you start voting Libertarian. So does how do we want to start? Who would like to share first? Um, sure, yeah, I'll, ch- I'll chime in. Uh, for me, it was Ron Paul um, and, uh, when he was running for president on the Republican ticket. And uh, he was the only person that I saw, uh, you know, in the debates that, that really made me think. And so I started doing some more research on the Libertarian Party because, you know, it didn't take long to, to connect the dots with him and libertarianism. And uh, th- then I ended up uh, running into LRN.FM, which is uh, Free Talk Live's uh, radio station that they, they have out of New Hampshire. And uh, I got really big into that. I, I would call in a lot, and, and I listen just about every day. And uh, I did that for a few years, and that's really what built my libertarian foundation for me. Yeah. So... I became interested in the Libertarian Party for two reasons. One is I'm actually a former Democrat who has become much, much more conservative economically as I've gotten older, but I still consider myself to be very socially liberal. So a party that represents those values of limited government in the economic spectrum, but also encourages personal freedom, I really have, have gravitated towards that. And I also, just as someone who has watched the hypocrisy of the two-party system, at this point, both of the major parties, the Democrats and Republicans, have 
basically their only purpose anymore is just to oppose of whatever the other party does. And that is not a sustainable system. And so having a third party that kind of comes in and acts as the tiebreaker really appeals to me. If you look at the starting congressman salaries, the lowest paid congressman makes around 140k a year, which to me is too much, but they're paid that amount of money on the understanding that each bill that they review and each bill that is proposed in the House or Senate, they look over carefully and based on their own personal judgment, they vote yes or no on the bill based on their own knowledge and based on what they feel is right or wrong, not what on what a party tells them. So that's why I've become a huge third party enthusiast and a huge supporter of the Libertarian Party. What was there an issue that caused you to leave the Democrat Party? Or was I mean obviously it was building. It can't it, I mean I guess there's sometimes an issue, but it I can't really say that it was one specific issue. It was just kind of a slow process over time. It was a very gradual process. I started I started off as a pretty, when I was 19 or 20, I would say that I was a pretty liberal Democrat. And then over time, I became more of like a blue collar, or uh, not blue, blue dog Democrat who was more fiscally conservative, more socially liberal. And then I've gotten to the point now where I've become, where I've, I've started exploring other parties like the Libertarian Party. So that is really, it, it's been a very slow process and I can't really say that it was one specific thing that drove me from the Democratic Party. Okay. Well, for myself, and I'm going to go all the way back when I was in, it was 1992, it was uh, high school. Um, my high school teacher talked about Ross Perot. And, of course, we still hear about Ross Perot today, even in our elections, no matter what happens. He cost Bush the election. The reality was Bush cost himself the election, you know. But the history teacher was, like, really pushing him, pushing him, pushing him. And, you know, he he was an independent, so he was paying for his own uh, to get on the ballot, to get on television, so he was making headway because he had the financial backing from himself, and uh, when he jumped out, he came. You know, he came back. He picked uh, Stockdale, and I was so disappointed with it. Especially when he jumped out, he said the Republicans were going to mess with his daughter's wedding, and it was almost like he was jumping out so he wouldn't win because he was gaining the traction and people were liking him. So in turn, I stopped supporting him. And that was a mistake. Uh, blink your eyes, that's how long I was a Democrat because MTV said, you know, they were pushing Clinton and he was on Arsenio Hall and they said Bush didn't know how much a gallon of milk cost. And as a, what, 18-year-old guy, 17-year-old, because I couldn't vote in 92, uh, they were like, he didn't know how, how much. I said, "How how could he? How can he lead the free world and not know what a gallon of milk cost?" Well, reality is, eight years he was vice president. Four years he was president. So it's not like me or you or you know anyone else. You can't just hop up and go get a gallon of milk as president or vice president. So then I heard. So that's how long I was a Democrat. 
Then I heard Rush Limbaugh. I saw Newt Gingrich with um, the contract for America. Awesome. You know, this is great. This is the party of, you know, small government, individualism, things of that nature. So I thought, let's let's go. I'm going to hook my band, uh, you know, my wagon to this horse. And so I was from 90, was that about 94, 95 through um, 2006, I was pretty much, I mean, I was Democrat, I was a Republican. Oh, I was pushing for the Republicans. Once I went into the uh, Navy in 2000 to 2006, I was still a Republican. And, you know, you're supporting the president on anything. You know, you go overseas, you do this, you got to support the president. When I came out, that's when it really started to change. So 2006, I started to lose faith, and I started to actually look at the way our foreign policy was. I started to see things, and then I started going, well, you know, the Republicans promise limited government. They don't give us limited government. They promise us uh, freedoms and all that stuff. They don't deliver. We got a foreign policy that's a train wreck. And uh, when they put up John McCain, because I also saw in 2008, Ron Paul. He was on there for five minutes on Fox News with Neil Cavuto, I believe. And I said, this is the guy to vote for. So I went on primary day, and I actually had forgot, but I saw a little Ron Paul yard sign in the middle of the Williamson Road, and I went to the polling booth and voted for Ron Paul in 2008. And they gave it to John McCain. I didn't like McCain. Then the Tea Party came along. And right before they got hijacked... Because that's truly what happened to the Tea Party, I feel. They got hijacked by the Republicans, but they had the Libertarian, Roanoke Valley Libertarians were there, and they had a the little table, and I did the world's smallest political quiz. I was 90 and 100. So this guy named Jeff Bowles, he was the 6th District um, the Chair, he patted me on the shoulder. He said, you're going to make a fine Libertarian. And I thought, no, I'm not, because I'm, I'm a Republican, you know, even though... I was just standing in that group so I could be, you know, because we got to be in a group, right? And um, 2010, and then, you know, you're seeing all this liberty-minded Republicans, and they never produced. You know, it was still big government Republicans sending us to war, and then they started making promises, and they're still making promises and around 2010, well, 2010, December is when I paid my dues to go national and state. And I went all in. I pushed all in for the LP. And from that point on, um, I've been happy with my thing. That's, but that's what really led me to it. It was the foreign policy. And I was just seeing the broken promises that they would always do. Because what did you always hear when, when in 2010, when Obamacare was signed, or the Affordable Care Act, if we just had a presidency, we would reverse it. We'd give you the greatest health care in the world. And then what's happened? When they got Donald Trump, they had the Senate, and they had the House. What did you get? You got absolutely nothing. You know? And that's, you know, and it's like, and to, I went to the second Monday Constitution Group in Christiansburg, Virginia, which was excellent. But the Republicans, they were sitting there and they said, what do we believe free market health care? What do we believe in the Second Amendment? We stand by it. But even though their president, our president, 
has said he believes in, you know, taking guns now and due process. Or take the guns, then due process. He's got it backwards. You know, he banned the bump banned the bump stock. He's did he banned the the flare, the silencer, or whatever it is. Yeah, I think I believe so. Okay. Yeah. So he's really not second amendment. But you've got all these gun lobbyists rallying around this guy. And it drives me up the wall because where are they? When we even though I wasn't a big a supporter of um doing that recall of Saslaw up in Northern Virginia. I understood why they were doing, you know, the LPVA was trying to recall a state senator who was pushing, what was, he was the one ban, pushing the ban on the AR-15, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's really, you know, it still drives me up the wall. I mean, like, how do you get into those these lobbyist groups that will, uh, that say, like the NRA, would they support our gun rights? But then all they do is back these big government Republicans that will take your rights. Yeah. I think um, a lot of it's just like you were talking about with the, with the Tea Party. It seems like uh, a lot of uh, organizations come around with good causes, good ideas, and it seems like uh, the, somehow the powers of be tend to, to work their way in and, and, and hijack these groups or take control of them. You know, um, I mean, Tea Party basically went from you know, libertarian ideas to uh, the, the, the um, gosh, what was that lady's name from, uh, from Alaska? Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it's, it's just crazy how quick that, that movement switched gears. And um, I, I think that happens to a lot of really good ideas in, in this country. But you know, for what it was worth, that what uh, Sarah Palin in 2008, when I voted for John McCain, I, I voted because of her. Because she was, you know, and I know she had a lot of stuff I don't agree with. And she, she, she you know, she's a, a special case, right? But she had energy. She was, John McCain was like, he was just like laying down. But at least she was like fighting. I guess that maybe that's why I was doing. But then the way that the Republicans attacked her, the established Republicans, and I hate saying the establishment, but... You know, you had these, uh, the Republicans who've been there. Look how they just trashed her. And, I mean, there was no support for no love for You know, they just brought her in, chewed her up, spit her out. So what, did y'all, neither one of y'all like Sarah Palin? No, I wasn't a fan. But at that point, I think I was really, uh, probably at that point in, in my life, I was more anarchist. Um, at that point, I had already been burnt by both sides enough to where I was just like fooey with the whole system. Let's just burn this thing down and, and start over. Um, I don't necessarily feel that way now, but uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, it, there's a time and place for everything. And I, I believe that the, the libertarian message is, is growing and, and I'm hoping it's going to continue to snowball. But, but at that point, uh, I, I paid attention to politics, but I didn't, uh, I didn't choose a side. Right. I was kind of the same way. I was not a huge fan of Sarah Palin at the time. At, at that point, you got to remember that we'd watched eight years of Bush, and you had really within the Republican Party this huge neocon wing forming with Bush and like Dick Cheney, who didn't really care how big a budget the government was spending as long as the majority of it went it to like defense and went into these endless wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. 
So at that point, I wasn't too big on any Republicans, but especially, you know, and also watching like Sarah Palin, she, you know, she didn't really handle herself well in public. She, you know, so I, yeah, at that time I wasn't, I wasn't too big on, on Sarah Palin. Right. I, I got a question for you though. Um, you know, I, my viewpoint of how I see the Trump presidency is is like those neocons are back in there again. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, if you look at his uh, cabinet and, and, you know, Bolton and all these people, I mean, they're, they're, they're old school Republicans for sure. You know, the, it was strange because, you know, he, he that was his big thing. He was going to drain the swamp and then he was just kept bringing everybody in that was part of the swamp. So, and then those same folks were the ones cutting his throat. Now, I'm not saying that everything that Trump's done is bad, but it was very much like Obama. He'll do something, I'll go, okay, that's pretty good. And then it'll be like, what? what? He's doing that too? Because I liked when Obama and them went and talked to Iran because, hey, I'd rather you talk to to our enemies and let's go have a, you know, use our men and women of the military to fight an endless war. You know, that's that's the weirdest thing I think with Trump is he's 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 bringing these folks in, and then they're just cutting his throat. Yeah, it's you know uh, I think a lot of Trump people I've talked to about that too. That uh, seems like they have a viewpoint of you got to keep your enemies close, and that's what I've had several of my Republican friends tell me, and uh, I, I just don't know, man. It's 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 a bit odd to me. Uh, he was like exactly like you said, you know, he was there to drain the swamp. That's what we put him in there for, you know, as a people. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just sooner or later, the American people are going to get tired of getting burnt by these guys. But do you think we're going to be frogs? You know, you put the frogs in the water and you just slowly turn up the heat. And by the time you notice that you're, uh, it's hot water, it's, you're already dead. I think that's a good point. And, and that's, uh, what, that's what I'm really fearful of is because people are they don't know what's going on. I'll, I'll, look, you want me to show you the American voter? Look at Pete Buttigieg in Iowa. And the lady came out and she goes, you're telling me he's gay? I want my vote back. She didn't even know he was gay. Not to say that knowing someone's sexuality is, uh, you need to know that before you walk in. But people walk into these polling booths and they don't know nothing about these folks. They don't know nothing about how they're going to vote, where they came from, how they're, you know, they know nothing. And that, that, and that's what. Obviously, I'm, I would never want. I will, I want the American when you when you vote. It's like drinking and driving. You got to be responsible, because if when you put what what we now got is what five point eight million people, five point seven million people here in Virginia, who are registered to vote. One point seven went out and voted. Three point eight stayed home. Yeah. And you know, going back to Buddha Judge, for example, like. You know, and I don't know, I haven't vetted this out myself, but this is something I've been reading a lot, was that he was connected with that app that fumbled that whole caucus. I so, thought that was uh, Hillary's. Actually, what I heard is, ironically, that app was kind of championed by Bernie Sanders because of how much, you know, he kind of got screwed over in the 2016 election. So it was a way... Ideally, it was a way of reporting results quicker, and on paper, it sounded like they could be reported more transparently than the old-fashioned way, but as we saw, the app was not developed correctly, it wasn't 
well thought out and it just ended up being a complete disaster. Regardless, I think the big bigger point of where I was trying to go with that though was we used to have a very investigative media. Right. And I believe that true investigative journalism is a dying act or you know that's it's it's not quite what it used to be. Uh, uh, for example, Ben Swan, who I think is a very good reporter, almost everything I've seen him do has been has, has been pretty solid stuff. And you know, these guys are just basically pushed out. It, you know, if, if you start doing, uh, you know, they're told by their networks, you know, stop doing this research or stop doing this story, and uh, just because there's you know financial connections there or whatever it might be. Um, you know, uh, I think it's our media's job though to get us information and to dig into these groups and find out who's behind what and who controls what app and you know like and I, as an american myself i've lost almost all trust in journalism absolutely and i think one thing that has really contributed to that is these 24-hour news stations that really have become more reality tv shows than they have media outlets are businesses that were designed to give transparent clear information i'm going to take a path off talking about politics now and just kind of talk about explain why the media is sort of the way it is now so stories on like cnn or fox news or msnbc get a lot more views for negative news stories negative news stories are what creates network views so Things could be going fine in the world, but you hear all this negative news coverage because that is what gets the views. So already you're looking at a platform that is going to be skewed towards negativity and maybe biased in reporting things because they want the most views. Not necessarily what's most accurate, not necessarily what's the most truthful, what gets the most views. One example I like to use is... You could say that seatbelts, when the three-point seatbelt was invented, it actually caused more people to go to the emergency room. And you hear that and you think, oh, wow, seatbelts are really dangerous. But what actually happened was more people were surviving car accidents to go to the emergency room. But when you say it like more people went to the emergency room after the three-point safety, the three-point seatbelt was invented, it puts a very negative spin on it and it really convolutes what the actual statistic is there. And you see that all the time in the media. Don't you find that strange that we all know, like for instance, Facebook, it's like, that's what you were talking about. When they put up negative stuff, it gets more comments and more reactions. You know, so you'll read them headlines. Mm -hmm. We all know that that's what it does to us, but we all continue to. You have to almost like it's almost like a drug. Like you have to consciously make an effort. All right, I can't look at Facebook today. When I first wake up, don't turn on Facebook. I don't want to hear, see Twitter. I don't want to see, you know. But the news media is, is doing that. It, it, to me, that just seems strange to me. You, what? Have they ever did any type of research or have you ever read anything where they might try to say, let's do nothing but positive stuff? What does the, does it decline or do you know? I don't know any specific study they've done on that, but I do know that they have done studies where they've tracked 
the you know news stories and it's always the ones that get the most views are the highest ratings are always negative news stories so i don't know in an individualized study where they just try to put out positive news stories and see how that would compare versus to a normal network lineup but i do know that they have studied negative news stories versus positive news stories and by far negative news stories always get the most views right because you know what what, what <laughs> what's worse looking at the headline of the news thing or the comments that's where that's where I get the most anxiety is when you start reading comments because you see people have just read the headline or they'll be commenting about something they don't really know you know because uh they don't know the 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 the, the whole uh, subject you know they just start commenting and then people just start shooting nasty st- words at each other and who knows if it's some of those people are even real <laughs> you know they're probably just bots programmed to go in there and cause ruckus and chaos yeah. it would not surprise me have you seen google uh what was it google where they've made a person and they just took all these different images and you it looks like a real person's picture mm-hmm. and you're thinking wow that looks like a you know, that's a pretty woman, or that guy's, you know, he's been working out or whatever, and they're they're fake. It, it's strange with what you're seeing with computers now. And that's what also worries me, too, about the news media, is if you've seen the stuff where they can take faces. Uh, they did Robert Downey Jr. and the kid who's playing Spider-Man now, uh, Tom Hollins, and they put him on Back to the Future. And it, the mouth sinks. You can't tell uh, that that's not them there. Mm-hmm. That you you would think, oh, that's Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Hollins playing Marty McFly and Doc Brown. Mm-hmm. It's you know that's something that the news media is going to have because they're going to start reporting on stuff that's completely fake. Yeah, yeah I mean that, that that's the thing. If it's if it's digital, you can't really trust it. I mean that, that's where I'm at at this point. Uh, I mean, they've done the same thing with Bush and Obama in some of their videos. Yeah. And uh, where, where a person is sitting there in front of the camera and can move and make facial expressions on those people. Uh, you know, before long, it's they're going to be able to use their, vo- you know, different voices. They can change words. Uh, it's it's uh, I think they're calling it deep fake videos, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I mean, it's a it's an interesting world we're living in. Well, uh, well, they had that thing where Joe Rogan's talking about getting a chimpanzee uh, soccer team. He's putting a soccer team of chimpanzees together, and he's going to play World Cup or something like that. And it was all fake, you know. It was crazy. But if you were to listen to it, it sounds like me sitting here talking to you. Sentences going. He said he's stopping. He's pausing into mums and ahs and all that stuff. So. It's a strange, strange time. So let's see. Um, all right, so we've we've talked about what brought us to the Libertarian Party. We've talked about that. So I guess now we'll we'll discuss. They're halfway through, or they they're, they're just over halfway through with our legislation that they're doing here in the state of Virginia. And the, what we done was we've picked out a. I said let's pick out a good bill and a bad bill. Oh, I didn't pick out I. Forgot to pick out a bad bill. <laughs> okay, well, which is fine because well, I mean, you don't even have to really think. I mean, you can easily think of something right now and probably shoot something out. Uh-huh. So, uh, what we'll do is we'll go on and start with that. Uh, so, who wants to start with? Well, we want to start with a bad bill or a good bill. 
start with a good bill. I'll, I'll All right, let's start talk with about the bill. bill that I researched. So the bill that I researched is House Bill 4, and that is the bill that has been passed in the House to legalize casino gambling. As of right now, Virginia has horse track betting and also like slot machines, but they don't have full Vegas or Atlantic City-style casino gambling. This bill was introduced by Barry Knight, who was a representative from, I believe, near the Virginia Beach area. And like I said, this is to legalize casino gambling. But one thing that I dislike about this bill is that it's very it's very specific where these casinos can be built. Right now, they've mainly focused on economically depressed areas in the state, like Bristol and Danville, which is all well and good. I think these areas do need some industries to help boost their economy and to bring jobs back to the area, but I don't like how restrictive it is to not be able to build casinos anywhere in the state or areas that may be higher traffic areas for tourist destinations. So there are parts I like about the bill. I like that it does bring jobs to the state. I like that it could be a huge economic boost, but if I had to do improve one thing on the bill, I would not restrict where these casinos could be built in the state. But overall, I do think it is an excellent bill, and I do think that it will greatly help the state's economy. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I, I really do like the idea of... I, obviously, I'm not... I would legalize the casino style. Because right now, what we've got the Virginia Queen. Uh, I think that's what it's called. And there are all... You know, you can go to 7-Elevens. You can go to, like, Rosie's and Vinton. You can go to different places and play this. And I don't know if you've ever... Have you tried them by chance? No, but there's a bar I frequent uh, pretty often. And every time I walk in there, there's a, about a, a half dozen people just... I mean, just cramming money into those machines, man. They're horrible because what it is, you just put in like a dollar or five dollars, whatever you want to put in. And, and then it rolls like a slot machine. And then you have to pick like... To get to, so you can do like tic tac toe style. That was the one that I played. It was not fun, but boy, I mean, I think I won a dollar because we were just trying it when we were at the beach uh, this past May. And, you know, but people are just flooding these machines. It's good because, like I was telling Josh, at right off of Interstate, okay, I went to Omelette Shop. They removed three benches, and they've put in four machines, and they put an ATM right beside that machine, okay? Now, they told, the one guy was there, he was telling me that they make more money at the machine than they did on the, in the actual restaurant. Now, this is the guy who was, uh, he called himself a hawk because he would go from Omelet Shop to Exxon, which is right across the street from it, to BP, which is on the other side of the street. Uh, and he would float around and just play the machines. That was his. That's how he made a living. But he was saying, oh, they make more money here. And he was telling me how this one lady came in. She put in $400. She won 1200 She said, oh, well, I got 30 more minutes till my ride shows up. She kept playing the money, and she lost it all. But then she took out another 400 and lost it to you know so um 
And that was the same time Northern and them passed the, hey, let's increase the taxes on the, um, to, to help improve I-81. And the first thing that I thought was, why don't we just give all these machines up and down the interstate at these different businesses and let that, why are we raising taxes? You know, where's this money going? I don't know. Absolutely. In fact, I think, and thank God this didn't pass, but one of the suggestions to raise money for I-81 was to have toll booths on uh, all up and down 81. And if anybody who has ever driven on I-81 knows that that would be a horrible idea. So paying it for some way where you have, you're passively collecting money for it, like these slot machines would be a much better way to, to pay for these, you know, large infrastructure projects like you know, improving ID one or maybe making it changing it from a two lane highway to a three lanes, right? Both sides. Oh yeah. Um, now, this is just to play devil's advocate. What would when I was in in Connecticut and you had Mohegan Sun and you had Foxwoods, the one big poster in the mall. It said, um, "Don't let this be your uh, retirement fund." And it was an old lady in front of a slot machine or something like that. What would y'all say? How would we be able to help people that's going to because it's going to become addiction? You know, you're going to. I, I know people who who who. There was a guy on the boat. He um, lost his family. He went to Captain's Mass. He had to go to Gamblers Anonymous. He was told by the two casinos, if you show your face here, you're arrested on the spot. I mean, it was some crazy stuff. What would y'all say? What would y'all do to help maybe curb it? Or or is that just something we're going to just have to have faith that uh, as libertarians, we're going to just have to have faith that they're going to be doing? Hey, here comes Dean Davison joining us to... uh, He'll be sitting down with us in a minute. But what what do y'all think about that? It, is there something we should do? Or I'll comment on it. So I do understand, and that was a huge reserva- reservation a lot of people had about passing casino gambling, is that there would lead to addiction, and a lot of people would develop this gambling addiction where they had, had the psychological dependence on playing slot machines or... If they won a little bit, they would immediately have to come back and gamble all their money away. And I do understand that that is a downside of this bill. But at the same time, there are so many other things that cause addiction. Fast food is addictive. Alcohol is addictive. And those things are not illegal. So I do think that it is a downside that this could lead to addiction but at the same time it would be such a great economic boost it would create so many jobs that i think that outweighs the gambling addiction that it may cause in some people and i'm not saying there shouldn't be services to help gambling you know like gamblers anonymous or these counseling services there absolutely should but at the same time we should not restrict an entrepreneur's ability to set up one of these casinos because some people might become addicted from playing his slot machines or playing Texas Hold'em. Well, you know, going back to even high school, I remember kids being addicted to gambling, you know, over sports betting and stuff like that in school. Uh, you know, or I, I wouldn't necessarily say addicted at that point, but you know that I mean, gambling is always going to happen regardless if it's legal or not. 
Um, you know, having it relatively available it might cause more people to do it. But, you know, uh, it would be interesting to see if there's been a study, you know, on those to that point already. Well, I've actually come from a state in the state of New Jersey where gambling was readily available to people. Um, basically, it's a choice. I mean, it's a personal choice. If you choose to do that, nobody should restrict your choice and the belief to do that. Yes, there's going to be addiction. Addictions in everything from fast foods to diabetes to, you know, because of you eating fast foods and, you know, have medical conditions. Um, drugs are that way. You know, people are addicted to different things. People are addicted to sex. People are addicted to every different type of thing. There's laws in place, but sometimes something like gambling, restricting the law is not, it's, 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 a, it's a personal choice for somebody to do that. It's not illegal, Okay. Uh, taking for example, locally, we have, even though it's technically not gambling, even though it is, we have Rosie's, who has made a huge economic uh, boost in tax incentives to the town of Vinton, who's gaining so much profit in their in the way they're taxing it, that they want to, it's getting too small already. People are enjoying it, coming to Vinton for that purpose to gamble. Now you have Danville, who wants to do something similar with the same company. But I think it should be expanded. You know, if someone wants to play poker, you know, people are doing this anyway. There's, there's backroom, backroom stuff going on all over. I'm sure there's backroom stuff going on in uh, Roanoke right now where people are gambling. I mean, don't restrict somebody's right to do something if they want to do it. But they have to understand that's their, that's their decision as long as it hurts nobody else. Right. Now, if it's affecting somebody's children or, or something like that and their foods to the baby's mouth, now we have to talk about counseling services and things like that make that available to people much like any other addictions uh but definitely let people gamble i think that's it's it's, it's something that'll bring more revenue in and legalization of marijuana if you can get that to happen at the same time i mean they're already looking at decrim so if they can get the legalization of marijuana to happen and gambling to happen the amount of money we'll get from people getting out of jail and things like that it's just going to be influx now how we spend that money well, we need to get rid of the Democrats and Republicans out of, out of the actual <laughs> picture so we can actually keep the money for uh, programs for veterans and things like that. Uh, producing hemp, which is becoming huge. So many farmers that I talked to um, in, in Bedford County when I was running for House of Delegates, which I'm likely going to do again, um, they're, they're, the, the, we brought hemp to it. Dustin Evans brought hemp to the people. It's becoming popular. Mm-hmm. We're bringing it to the mainstream, and it's becoming awesome to see people wanting to grow hemp. One of the distilleries for marijuana medically now is going to be in the town of Vinton. Mm-hmm. They have a hemp place in the town of Vinton that sells marijuana products and hemp products. They're going to be one of the distilleries when, for medical marijuana. And I think that's a great for local all the way around. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Because I wanted to shoot that question out there to y'all because of um, I know that's what's going to get said to us. When I was up at the second Monday Constitution group, that was uh, I was talking about legalization of drugs, all drugs, and well, the one guy was that was his pushback was everyone's going to be you know they're everyone's going to get addicted to it. How are they going to get done? And then one of his other thing was you can't test for it when you're driving, you know. But um, you know that's what I want. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. You know, I just want to give pushback, you know. And please, you know, even though I know we're going over good bills that we like, give, make sure we do the devil's advocate stuff because that, that stuff that's going to be asked by the actual citizens and people who are 
looking into being a libertarian, and we want to make sure that we can give them a good answer to, to counterpoint. So what we'll do is, uh, what we're going we're, we're right now what we're doing, Dean, since you just walked in, is we're going over the bills that have went through so far gotcha. that are good, and then what we're going to do is we're going to go over which ones are bad. Oh, absolutely. Um, but to your point of drugs, um, people that are on opioids and addicted to opioids and heroin, why not? There's places, a lot of places up in Canada and, and, and so forth, that in other states also that allow people to inject in their thing. So if they go down, somebody's there to give them Narcan. They're not dying on the streets. We need to really address the opioid crisis. And the way to do it is not by keeping the black market available. It's by um, legalization of certain things and making programs where people can do that. Instead of send them to jail, send them to treatment, and that's going to help a lot of people. Well, you know, that that's kind of why I was bringing up the, uh, the whole the study side of... Uh, you know what's going on with gambling is because uh, if, if it's anything like the drugs that I, which I've done a lot of studying on it seems like every time that drugs are actually legalized it seems like the user rate drops so I'd be interested to see if gambling works that same way I mean they're putting fentanyl and marijuana now people don't know that I mean the fire EMS service I mean it's happening in, in counties and and somebody's bunch of smoke marijuana and not getting it purely from a good person well they're dropping dead because it's not the marijuana killing them, it's the opioids, and it's because they're just putting that in there to make it stronger so people buy it. It's, it's a stupid It's stupid on their part, and, the, and when we legalize marijuana, that'll allow people to grow their own plants in their house and or in their yard or whatnot, and they'll know what they're getting themselves into and what they're getting, not what a drug dealer is going to give to them. I work at a biologicals company, and uh, we've actually lost several of our scientists and technicians to uh, these companies that are testing THC products and and, and, uh, uh, and CBD products. That, uh, so, for example, uh, you know, there's there's one up in the New River Valley now, and they're pretty much handling most of Virginia's testing. And uh, it's uh, it's an interesting time, and things are definitely changing. CBD is good for everybody. I mean, mm -hmm. CBD is is my dogs take CBD when they're older. And it's it's just a whole different. There's a whole different. When they get older, you know, they're not being able to walk as well. It's it's giving them extra life into their final life, and that's amazing. What I'm saying, just by CBD and and in people too. I just it's a great it's a great product derived from hemp, derived from the marijuana plant. So, okay, so that was Josh's good bill. Well, now we'll start with uh, Ben. What 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 bill have they come up with so far that you have liked? Uh... Or, or bad, or, or something uh, good that's happened to yeah. a bad bill. I guess yeah. we can go with that. Yeah, let me go with that route. And, and it's got to be the assault weapons ban that didn't, that failed to get through committee today. Um, uh, being from Floyd County, uh, this has been really big on my mind lately. Uh, Floyd is one of the counties that have recently uh, started a muster and uh, had over 200 individuals come out to join the militia. Um, they actually had weapons checks and, and uh, a registry. Uh, it's, it's, it was a pretty big ordeal. And um, I think it was around 240 people is what I heard uh, that, that actually signed up to, to be a part of the militia. So um, I know that was a big part of what had everybody up in arms. Uh, so I was really glad to see that at least for now, it's, uh, it seems to, that, that, that that's not going too far. Now, is there no way that it can be brought back up? And the reason I say that is because I thought the um, the um, popular vote and the electoral college, which is asinine, but it got shut down, and then a couple of days later it's brought back up, and I guess it's made it through 
some point. Uh, do you, do you, I, I haven't noticed, but they're saying that it's now going on the route to making it. So whoever wins the popular vote for the president will get the electoral uh, college. Uh, if there's no way it'll stop, or do you know? Uh, I'm not 100% for sure on this, but I feel like uh, it's not over. I mean, uh, somebody probably rewrite this thing a little bit, change, make some tweaks on it, and reintroduce it again. Um, but, you know, it's just my thought process. Right. Do you have any comments about it? I mean, the whole doing away with Electoral College has been around for years now. It's It's been, it really started being discussed heavily in the 2000 election, and it probably will be discussed in the future, but I highly doubt it'll go anywhere. It'll just be one of these things that every once in a while is brought up, but I don't really see it gaining any traction or really has any chance whatsoever of being signed into law. They can't take away, because it's the state's rights, how they give out the electorates, right? So if we if they pass this popular vote, that's the route we go, right? Yeah, I mean, if that was to pass the state, yeah, whoever got the popular vote would get all the... You know. They have... The, the, it, 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 it's mind-numbing. Yeah. How, it's like they wake up and go, what's the dumbest thing we can think about in passing? Now, Dean... Do you have anything good? Because I've got something good. If you're if you're still looking, I see you're looking up. Um, I'm I'm, I'm kind of trying to get the number for the bill, but it there was a bill brought up, and it has too much attachments to it, which is why it's bad. Ranked choice voting. There was a bill brought up by Mr. Azul, actually, that kind of went into ranked choice voting, but it was attached to other bills, and that's what I didn't like about it. Uh, if you have a, just a bill that was ranked choice voting based on you take the, the parties names out of the equation i think that's the proper way of going i think the person should get to know the candidate not the political party of course you're going to be able to figure that out by talking to the candidate what kind of if they're a democrat which i don't even call democrats anymore they're socialists most of them uh, unless you're more centrist democrat then you're i guess a progressive but there's too many way to the left um or a republican but you when you talk to a republican especially a liberty-minded republican or a libertarian you might get you wouldn't know which one you're actually getting in some instances because some of the Republican Liberty people in the Republican caucus are little L small L libertarians. They are believe they have a lot of belief in the libertarian message. So that's how ranked choice voting would work well. The only problem I could see with that happening is they run seven Democrats, nine Republicans, and they're still screwing us as libertarians and third party people. But in a, in a perfect world, that would be an amazing bill if we could get rid of, uh, you know, the stereotypical, well, I vote for the lesser of two evils because there isn't a, they're both evil and we're trying to bring a good message to them, so. Right, and I mean, what, what that bill was, and I can't remember what number that was, but he wanted to have the jungle primary, then the top four move on to a ranked choice voting. And that was just really, I mean, it was trash. Uh, I don't like the jungle primary. I don't think political parties, if a party wants to have a primary, they should be the ones who have to pay for it, not the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the, that's always a low turnout at the polls. I've never seen anything with primary day. Maybe y'all can correct me, but usually primaries are just low turnouts. Um, you know, now for me, myself, both bills that I've got, the good bill that I liked and uh, the bad bill that I didn't like, 
but have both died. Um, but they can be brought up, and they're probably going to be brought up next year. The one that I have is um, SB 449, which is death penalty abolishes penalty, including those persons currently under a death sentence. So the summary is introduced was abolishing of the death penalty abolishes the death penalty, including for those persons currently under a death sentence. If you go to Virginia's against the death penalty, VADP, um, they spoke, and the costs that it had, when they spoke at our Roanoke Valley Libertarians meeting, the cost for them to have someone on death penalty costs more than us keeping an individual in jail. And I thought that was kind of, you know, usually people are always saying, let's just make them guilty and send them straight to the death penalty. And no, there's a lot of um, stuff going on there. And that's mostly because of the appeals process, right? Is why it costs more to execute someone than to keep them in prison. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, it's, it's very interesting when you hear about that. Um, now, for myself, going against the death penalty... Uh, it's. I think I have the biggest issues because when if you take ten people and then if there's one possible wrongly executed, there was a guy who just got released because of the DNA proved that he you know he was on I think he was on a life sentence mm -hmm. I believe it was in California, but the DNA proved that he you know he didn't commit the crime. So when if you have ten people and one person that one person might be it was innocent. I just think it's too high of a risk. I don't want to. I would rather put someone in jail and let them. Because, two, I definitely know what's going to happen to them. Well, who, who would want to lose that freedom? Well, you know, uh, the proceedings of uh, National Academy of Sciences determined that uh, at least, so this was their, their low park number, 4% uh, of people put to death since uh, the history of death row uh, were, were, were innocent. So that's their low park number. Uh, they don't, unfortunately, they don't put their, their high end. It'd be interesting to see what that is. But, I mean, if you th think about that, that's, that's a lot of people. You know, when you start thinking of nationally, how many people are, are put down every year? Well, you know, I'm I may be different some libertarians in the aspect that I'm a pro-life libertarian. I believe in life. There's very few reasons I would uh, agree with abortion, which is if it is um, not viable for the mother to survive or the baby to survive. That's where my pro-choice part of the pro-life comes in. There's very few reasons I I have for that. But that also goes into the death penalty. Uh, Let's person rot in jail. I mean, maybe it maybe it costs taxpayers a little bit of money, but um, killing them if we don't know they're a hundred percent guilty. I mean, that's that's just not right. We don't know. If, the system's so flawed these days that you know we don't know if they're if it's real or fake. You know, if if they're if they're if somebody set them up and, and people are so scammy these days where they can manipulate things and p fingerprints and things like that to screw somebody over. That I don't feel comfortable putting people in death penalty if they if they probably didn't do the the, the crime. So. Well, you know, and especially when it comes to something like murder or, or you know these super violent crimes, uh, you know these these police departments and, and you know sheriff's offices are put under a lot of pressure to find the person. You know, so I think that that's a big part of it too. You know, it's a lot of times that that uh, they might not be 100% convinced that they've got the right person, but they'll continue on and push for it. And uh, like Making a Murder, for example, which was that big show that really took off on Netflix, uh, you know, uh, you know, that's probably got a lot of pros and cons to the 
that even be in a documentary like that. But it's uh, it's interesting to think about. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I just, I wouldn't want to be the person that would be a, a part of making that decision. I just don't feel like I, you know, that, that's not our part. And there's a bill that I'm, I'm that I don't like what they were pushing. They were calling out different bills, but I don't know the number on this one either. But it had to do with red flag laws. I mean, I can say, Brian, you're crazy. Brian's crazy, so go get his guns. Like, the socialists and this wing of Democrats, these far-left crazies, I like calling them. And I, not all of them are crazy, but most of them are. Um, I mean, that just is a law that is not good. I mean, yes, there's some people that do not belong having weapons if they are mentally unstable and things like that. But you can't just go say and point somebody saying, you know, Brian's, just for example, Brian's crazy. He threatened to kill me, and now it never happened, but they go raid his house. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people, houses getting uh, raided for no reason, very similar to this red flag law where they're getting, uh, you know, they're getting raided for no reason. Uh, and it's been pulling up in even TV shows like uh, Blue Bloods where they, the person got uh, uh, swatted and they didn't do nothing wrong. I mean, it was brung, it's brung a national international television through TV shows too. So there's just a lot of problems with the red flag laws. And I never really understood the red flag laws until I started running for delegate and somebody brought it up to me and I had to do some research on it. And But I now that I understand it, it, it just, it irks me that somebody can do that. And there's so much division in this country where we need to start getting more like America and back together that the division's causing this, you know, a political division will cause this if their neighbors are and this will especially happen to people of color which is even worse because there's a lot of racist people whether people want to admit it or they don't want to admit it there's a lot of racism in this country that needs to still be taken down mm -hmm. and that racism is what's and, and and the hatred for other people maybe from a different political party leading to somebody getting their guns taken away from them it's just not right they shouldn't be allowed to come on your property. Quite frankly, if somebody comes on my property and I have a gun and they enter my house without them legally allowed them to enter my house, um, if they come in my house and threaten my family, they're, they're getting shot. So you, you just point blank, you have the right to defend yourself, self-defense, and the Second Amendment protects you from a tyranny government, whether it's domestic or foreign. So, And, and, this, and these laws will just lead to domestic terrorists. Like Antifa, which people say, oh, no, 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 they're, they're doing this. If you look, you got to look deeper into that before people say, well, Antifa wanted to march with the gun people. Well, if you look deeper into it, they have their own reason for doing it. Um, it's just, it's a facade they're putting on. Yeah, but, you know, when, when it comes to red flag laws, you also got to look into it more, too. Because in uh, 2013, when they were classifying, like, Ron Paul supporter, Liberty Lovers, and I just learned this here recently, um... But, you know, it was like targeting veterans. That, that So it has a, it really leans bad towards people like that who are... Because I'm not anti-government by any stretch of the imagination. What I'm wanting is a small, uh, well-run government, you know, where I know there are um, some people that want to just see this abolished and, and then we restart or... Or we just go straight anarchy, and that—that's just insane and crazy. It's not gonna—it's not feasible, you know. But um, yeah. So that's really uh, another bill that Dean brought up—the red flag laws. Do you have any? Anyone else have anything to say about the red flag? 
Well, I would just like to add this with the red flags laws. I mean, anyone who... If, if the red flag laws were to be passed, obviously anyone who would be administering that would have some kind of human bias. Even the m person who says that they would not take away someone's guns just because they don't like them or because they have a personal beef with them is likely to at some point find some reason why this person, even if they are completely mentally stable, they've done something to anger this person so they're like well we're gonna i'm gonna find some way to take their guns away it's just it's just human error and it's personal bias and no matter what you do it's always gonna happen which is why i do you know i don't like red flag laws and i don't foresee them you know i don't foresee them working out well if they were to be passed and here's an interesting thought this just came to my mind because in bedford county paid medic and it depends on your volunteer agency if they allow you or not to do it paid medics are allowed to carry guns they're, they're, they're allowed to, you know, be uh, gun-carrying. But the thing there is they have to go at a incident and not away from it. They have bulletproof vests and stuff like that now that they protect us with, mainly the paid crew. But here's the thing I think about it. If those red flag laws are passed, that patient goes, that guy threatened me. You're going to take the guns out of the people that are trying to, the first responders that are actually there to help. And the reason they're carrying is because of how dangerous it's been. it's gotten out in the field with all these people that are just cra have went crazy or have have major drug issues and there's violent, a crime behind that, we're put at big risk. So the red flag laws would actually affect a first responder in a way because if that patient is can go person, place, thing, and time can say, well, that person in the ambulance doesn't need a gun. He's a little wacky in the head. He, he's, he's threatening me. So it takes away the rights of us first responders to carry a weapon to protect ourselves in case we get into a, a situation where we need to I'm, I've seen people I've almost been uh, hit not by weapons but people come after us they see the fire and EMS sometimes as police and they come up at us we have to get in our ambulance and lock the doors I mean that's and then they block us from going somewhere so you, you have to look at the aspect is we should have the right to carry, and if these red flag laws are passed, it's going to give the people that don't need the power in the government to, and these people that are unstable, to say that first responders are unstable. And there is a lot of suicide also in the first responders and military. And so, in a court of law, that could be weighed, if you think about it. So, oh yeah, because, you know, this many, they can bring up law uh, statistics like, well, this many first responders died and from suicide in the state of Virginia, so why are they allowed to have guns? You know, there's just a lot of things that are, are bad about the red flag laws that could even affect first responders, and I, I just want to bring that up as a first responder. All right, now we'll. Well, I guess we're, we we do you have a bad bill? Uh, I do. I, I just want to throw one more thing in there too, because I think uh, one one thing we really need to address in this company is SWAT in general. It's way overused. Um, I'm having a hard time finding a newer stat, but in 2005, uh, there was uh, SWAT teams were deployed over 50,000 times in the United States. Uh, 20,000 of those were no-knock raids, which is like, no, hey, this is the police. It's just somebody coming in and kicking your door down. Uh, that, I think that should never happen. You, they should always have to state who they are, uh, in, in my opinion. I think that would be a lot safer for the SWAT officers and for you know the, the homeowner 
But um, and eighty uh, percent of those SWATs were uh, over nar- narcotics too. Yep. So and major, mainly marijuana. I've, I've done research. There's a lot of it with marijuana, which is like I said, it's a plant. It's going to be legalized, so that people better get used to it. And quite frankly, a lot of police these days, especially in these urban, uh, not urban, but counties out in the country, are not really going after people for marijuana. They're basically taking it from them or telling them to get rid of it and and let them go. Now, what you're saying about SWAT, I've 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 as a first responder have been called to where they have had a SWAT team there. Okay. And imagine those big long rifles getting pointed at you because they don't know who you are, even though you're saying you have a shirt clearly states fire rescue on your I mean, come on now. You have to be you have, can't have a hot head and be a SWAT officer either. Mm-hmm. So uh the SWAT was there for the right reason at this point because it was a it was a domestic situation where somebody barricaded somebody, but and that person had weapons. Were they defending themselves? And I can't go much further into it, but the point of the matter is, there is points and places for SWAT, but there is there is way big too much over militarization of police. There's tanks in Roanoke County. There's a tank in freaking Bedford County. Why do we need tanks? Yeah. Why don't we just have these vans like they used to do, and just and when they're going to use a SWAT team, I understand they're armored, but geez, we don't need to have militarization of, of the police any more than it is. We need to demilitarize our police. Um, you know, and being somebody that's former military like myself, you know, when you put yourself in that situation where you go full battle rattle, you put on the body armor, you you, you strap the weapons on, it changes your personality a little bit. You fit into that mold. You know, when you get into that situation, I'm sure it's the same way with these these SWAT officers and these police officers that are that are strapped like that. Uh, I mean, I understand it's super dangerous for those guys. Uh, you know, I, I I personally believe that we ask too much about our police officers. I think that a lot of the um, work they're doing is is preventative, right? So they're sitting on the side of the road looking for speeders. You know, I think. You know, so, you know, they have to pull these people over and then who knows what's going to happen. I, I think what a law enforcement officer's job should be is to enforce the law. So after something has happened, they should be coming in, not preactively trying to stop. Now, that's, you bring that a good point. I just want to make another quick point on that. When I first moved down here, there's an area in Vinton called Mountain View Road. Well, that, that road is very rural, and there's then there's places where houses. When he's outside the houses, you go by the books at 45 miles an hour. I was pulled over. 18 people were pulled over that night. We went to court. Every single one of them were thrown out. Justice does work sometimes because that, that officer was trapping people, basically, and giving them reckless driving tickets because they say it's a, a, a area where houses were when it was actually a rural area, and there was not a license, and it was not a speed limit sign there so when the speed limit sign after this whole situation the speed limit sign started going up so there is justice that can be done when you can prove that that law enforcement officer is in the wrong and like you're right uh body armor i mean the fact that ems and fire have to have body armor because it's gotten so dangerous why was that caused in the first place it's not because he's just mass shooter and stuff the reason we have that the more we have sometimes the police doing swatting people for narcotics or what they believe may be inside of the house and they haven't done their investigation leads to the people being more unstable and then leads to fire EMS and first responders to be more a threat and then that's why we're getting we're linked in as a thinking we're police because we were sitting, sitting there having to wear body armor 
because it's gotten so hectic out there and there's been so many wrongfully done things that now police believe, you know, people believe that the fire and EMS are police now and they're, they should be shot also. Yeah. You have anything to add to this conversation? Um, no, nah, I, I think that pretty much covers all I would add to it. Right. One more thing I would like to add, uh, FBI statistics are s- supposedly the best. You know, I, I come from a, uh, I work in a scientific field and I've had several different scientists tell me that the FBI typically has some of the best numbers out there. And if you look at their violent crimes over the last 20 years, almost all violent crimes in this country are down 40 to 60%, which I find that very interesting. And, and you know, maybe those who do do violent crimes go bigger with it. I don't, I don't know. But it's, I think it's something that, that, that we should think about as well. And the mass shootings with them, we've now seen multiple times, like in churches, where a good Samaritan, Second Amendment, law-abiding gun owner, had a gun on them and was able to isolate the threat. Mm-hmm. So, taking away the Second Amendment rights, the state of, as far as I'm concerned, the state of Virginia needs to shove that up their ass. Um, taking away our, our rights because it's being proven over and over again that people have... Maybe in other states, but when people have their weapons and are law-abiding citizens, they're able to protect the, themselves and the people that maybe in, say, a church or a Walmart. Walmarts have been getting shootings all the time now. It's crazy. And these are mass casualty incidents. And once again, first responders are getting pulled into it. Well, one bill that I wanted to bring up that I do not like, where it ended was um, the House continues to uh, continued it to 2021 with substitute in health, welfare, and institution. This is House Bill 1040. It was introduced by my delegate, Sam Rizal. Oh. And what it says is, uh, nootropic doctors, board of medicines to license and regulate. So pretty much what this is doing is requires the board of medicine to license and regulate nootropic uh, doctors defined in the bill as an individual other than a doctor or medicine, um, chiropractic. Let me back it up. I just hit a button. Let's see. Or to, so, uh, and you may um, who may diagnose, treat, or help prevent diseases using a system of practice that is based on natural healing capacity of individuals using uh, psychological or physical methods, and two may also use natural medicines, prescriptions, legend drugs, food, herbs, or other natural remedies, including light and air. So pretty much if you go to an individual that is not a doctor, that we'll just use for an example, if you get can get colloidal silver or um, other things that will help prevent diseases, or if you get a disease, the, they don't... They don't. Uh, they can say, "Hey, here, use this, and it'll heal it," because they've been using it for years and years and years. Um, this is now going to become a. You're going to need a license, and it'll go to the board uh, here in the state. I'm totally against that because I was talking to one of the guys, and uh, he's never claimed to be able to heal anything, but uh, his, his statement was, "If we have true free health care." Or, you know, however, if I get an illness, if it's cancer, if it's uh, whatever, uh, I would be able to go and get taken care of if it's through chemo or radiation. Or I can use something like colloidal silver. 
uh, natural remedies and things of that nature. Um, we need to healthcare just alone needs to, you know, look at things a little differently. I know there's a bill out there trying to make insulin for diabetics cheaper, and I, and I'm a diabetic, and I've lost a toe now to diabetes because of an infection. Um, but here's the thing: if if the cost of your diabetic medication, your insulin, when you get it, because sometimes it's you know passed on from your family. Um, everybody in my family, but one person has it. It's type two diabetes, right? So I was already doomed to have it in the first place. And then you have things like that happen. I went a couple times without insurance and the cost of insulin is outrageous. $1,000, $3,000 for a vial of insulin. But the thing is what we're talking about here is not oh, the oh. cost of medicine. This is actually going through a natural Oh, I know. Thing. There's natural things. So I'll into that turn, too. That, that's a whole nother ball game. So let's try to keep on track okay. of... Well, because I mean, we're going to spend another hour talking about the why is medicine so expensive? Why is you know we're we're not really having true free market health care, even though the Republicans from 2010 to 2017 that's all they harped on. If we get the presidency, we get the White House, uh, we get the Senate, and we get the House. We're going to give you this great. And I thought they were stupid me why I thought this but I actually assumed they were actually going to have a plan ready for uh, President Trump or some idea but what do y'all think about this we'll go with Josh if you got anything we were discussing this a little bit before we started the podcast but I think bills like this kind of fit I, I, I compare them to like right to try bills which is basically bills where If you have some disease that is terminal, you're absolutely 100% going to die from it. You should be able to try and you should be able to use experimental drugs that may or may not help you because that's your only option. Even if they haven't been approved yet, even if they haven't been fully tested yet because you have no other options. I believe that it really fits in the medical ethics for a doctor to be able to tell a patient if they have any type of term, terminal illness, a doctor should be able to tell their patients that, like, look, this medicine probably will not help you, but there's a small chance in a thousand it might. So since it's our only option, let's do it. So the way I see these bill that restricts homeopathic medicine or medicines that have not been really approved yet is kind of the same way that I... Is, I basically view these laws in the same way that I don't think people should be able to go around and saying, go around and tell people that this drug cures cancer when it, there is no, you know, there has not been enough medical evidence that it does, but they can certainly say like this drug may help arthritis. CBD is a, is a great example. This hasn't been fully tested yet, but it, seems and a lot of people that take it that it does help their arthritis it does help their mood there is pretty strong evidence that it does help with a lot of things you know and you shouldn't have to have a license to sell it so that's the way i look at this bill is that it's really restricting people's rights to treat themselves the way they think they should be treated as far as medical care goes i i just feel like 
it's not the place of government to, to tell us what we can and can't do to ourselves. I mean, just go straight back to libertarian principles there. But he said the right to try. That's kind of like how you. That's how I, what, what I was going to go into next. That actually is kind of like a right to try. Uh, it's kind of going against the idea of right to try. I think even homeopathic medications. Some people don't believe in regular medications, and you know the FDA pushes all this medication on us, and uh, some of these medications weren't very good. Um, I ain't gonna name a medication by by thing, but I took a medication that broke me out. Like, okay, well, I start doing research on this medication. I find out this isn't the only. This is a highly known, but doctors still prescribe it. I mean, just look at oxycot. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was thinking. Um, I think with Levaquin. Levaquin is is really breaking people out. People are having anaphylactic. I didn't have an anaphylactic reaction, but I was I had, I was right all over because of. And itching because of the medication. Why the FDA and the government gets involved, they should be, if they're going to quote unquote regulate things, they ought to take the medications that are already there and make sure they're not harming people more than they're helping people. Um, just talking to a pharmacist, he says this medication is high. I have so many people that can't take this because it's it breaks them out because of anaphylactic shock sometimes. It's so somebody like that does homeopathic. That's that's their right too. It's a right to try what they want to see if it's going to help them personally do that. Whether it's helping their arthritis, whether it's helping them um, breathe better, have less anxiety. I mean, some of these homeopathic medications work, but they also got to people have to also take into consideration that they have to follow the directions that are on that that bottle, mm -hmm. because you can overdose on those things. I personally, as like I said, in the first responder field, I've seen somebody overdose on a home, on a homeopathic medication, mm -hmm. and that can be dangerous too, mm -hmm. but the person—it's the choice of the individual to try what they want. I don't think the government should be in the way of somebody trying what they want to try to alleviate pain or things of that. Look, part. the FDA has been—that's the problem that we got now. We got the FDA that's supposedly there to protect us, and what they do is they, like, when you—it's not sometimes. Is it a right to try when they've been using a, a technique for hundreds of thousands of years? You know. It's almost like it, colloidal silver, as an example. They say there's nothing that it, we can't, we don't see nothing that it helps. But they've been using it for years and years and years. And it's almost like the FDA was designed to sit here and take something. Let's say, then you see when they've come out and said CBD oil has no medical benefits whatsoever. Even though people can come up and say, here's, here's the seizures, stop, and here's this. Yeah, it, it, it's it's crazy, and um, you know when you got individuals, I'm, I'm I'm I don't know where we need to go because I think sometimes we need to be able to say, look, this can fight. Maybe you got to just word it right. But even why should they even be really worrying about how they word it? Let's say fighting cancer. All you have to look at is and this Doctor Sibby. And I was talking to him about him earlier. He he got taken to court because he would tell people, "I can cure you of AIDS. I can cure you of cancer." And he, because his belief system was, everything led back to mucus in your body. If it's infected, if it's got an infection, you clean the mucus, and then every illness goes away. And so when they brought him into court, he was he brought these folks in that showed that they were cured of cancer. They were cured of AIDS. And he was let go. There's a ton of, uh, of these doctors like that who have been let go. 
and or been have died mysteriously because Dr. Sibby went down south or South America and he got pneumonia and died. Um, Nipsey Hussle, the rapper who died, uh, he was making a documentary about him. And the guy with the coronavirus, I bet you that had something to do. Well, I think I'm, that's a little bit different, but I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 uh, if you go into if you go to Dipsy uh, Hustle, and now um, Nick Cannon is taken up because the documentary was almost complete. Nick Cannon's supposedly going to finish it. It's going to be an extremely important documentary, and I think that's where we need to really go. I'm not anti-doctor by any stretch. Well, it's a third of our economy. Healthcare in general. And so when you start thinking about that, I mean, you know, who, thought, who knows who's going to get their Here's thought here. We talk about the FDA, you know, caveman fire, you know. We, we've done this for many years, but FDA makes out new medication. New medication. Doctors prescribe that new medication. Instead of the stuff that they know, I'm going to go back to diabetes here. Your older medications, which are cheaper, they want to give these brand new medications. Why are they giving these brand new medications? What's the kickback that those doctors are getting for prescribing that medication? It's exactly what's going on. There's too many corrupt doctors that are not staying to what they, when they got into it, I'm sure it wasn't to make money off of the pharmaceutical companies. But the pharmaceutical companies are paying these doctors off to get these new drugs out there, especially with diabetes, these new drugs out there. You ever listen to the commercials? Well, you may, and there's like a list of a minute worth of things and you may die. Um, and, but, and, and that's um, the cure dry skin, you know. But yeah, and, and you sit there and you say to yourself, um, you may be allergic. Well, how do you know you're allergic until you take the thing, right? But why take the thing that you know that's working and not prescribe it to somebody? It's all about money. It's all about the FDA. It's about the government and the doctors that are corrupt in there taking the money from the pharmaceutical companies. And that's how this is all working. And like I said, homeopathic stuff, uh, it just needs to be allowed People are allowed to, should be allowed to do what they want with their body. As long as it hurts nobody else, it's a libertarian principle. And I'm just gonna that's how I best best put that. And and like I said, there's just so many things I, I can go on about with, with my belief in how doctors take take uh, kickbacks. It's just it's the people in the and I'll go into this the people in the in the hospitals that are really the lifesavers are your nurses. A lot of your nurses are the ones that are doing the, the groundwork and make sure you're safe when you're at the hospital. Not so much to doctors. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, you should be able to choose how you want to be treated with your health care. If you That's think it. that this drug, if you think that CBD or another homeopathic medicine works for you and you feel that it's working, you should be able to use it, regardless of what evidence is that it may or may not work. At the end of the day, it's your prerogative to do to be treated as you want to be treated absolutely this is the final question i have when it comes to drugs we're the only like out of three countries i think we're only one of the three that is allowed or maybe we might be the only one that allows drug companies to show ads on television do you think we should be allowed to show ads on television because here in this we they cost a ton of money to make these drugs so you have to make your money somewhere we can't so I just plan, should we would you say we should be able to show a television ad with because what happens is you'll see um, uh, whatever the I'm going to quit smoking drug and then as you're talking about it giving all the list and then it talks about being suicidal having uh, bad dreams bad thoughts what, what do y'all think about that should uh, 
Where 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 do you go? Where do you fall down into that or fall in? Or have y'all ever even thought about it? Personally, I try to watch media where it doesn't have commercials. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> but if it's on, but, but um, you know it's you know I, it's out there. I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I but I mean, as as far as I don't like it. I wish we could find a different way. Uh, but I, I but I don't feel like I ha- I have the right to to tell a corporation they can't you know do an ad. Marlboro makes cigar- Marlboro makes cigarettes. But they also yeah. make marijuana cigarettes. Yeah. Most people don't know that, but they do sell marijuana cigarettes. So you know, or at least states are illegal. They're going to be pushing that. Much like she- they pushed vaping. And see, the people that are d- d- dying from this whole vape problem is the black market. Is why they were taking black market stuff. They weren't taking the stuff that the actual companies mm-hmm. made. They were trying to make stuff underground and that's where most of the deaths come from and people need to wake up to that it's the it's the guy it's it's once again the media see i i, I do meteorology i do weather that's it's part of the media but here's the thing the media scares people the media lies to people constantly so they blow would, up things so would you allow drug ads to be on television drug ads themselves Yes. If they pay for if they pay for that time, uh, I can tell a corporation they should or should not be allowed to do it. Okay. But do do, do I personally want to see it? No. All right. Uh, what about as far as the individual channels? So that's what I would like. Like I would support a TV channel that would make a stand and say we're not going to take revenue for ad, from ads for this, for example. Uh, that I would automatically favor that channel uh, for that decision. If that Something I would call liberty. corporate liberty. You got, yeah, what, what do you think about it? Once again, it's a complicated issue. On one hand, you can't really tell a corporation that they can't advertise for this project, for this product that they developed themselves, that they've invested millions of dollars developing. In. But on their hand, you know, it is somewhat misleading to have these drug advertisements that promise you all these things, but also it may make you suicidal or has all these huge long lists of negative side effects. I think that the only thing we can really do is try to educate the public more on, you know, how to do and, and, and really it's not, this doesn't necessarily just pertain to drug advertisements. This pertains to all kinds of advertisements that are misleading. As I previously said in this episode, I had talked about the seatbelt example where you can twist this information that is without telling a complete lie that wearing a seatbelt will is actually harmful or more people go to the emergency room from wearing seatbelts when actually what really happened is once again people were surviving car accidents and that's why more people were going to the emergency room after the three-point seatbelt was invented so i think it need there needs to be more public education into what you know, into filtering out what is misleading and what is not misleading. But I don't think at the end of the day we can really legally tell a corporation they cannot buy advertisements on TV. So it's a complicated issue that I think really has no clear answer. But we got a government that tells an individual they can't say, if you say you can cure a disease, whichever that disease might be, you can go to jail or we'll shut your business down. You know, that thing, that's where really I haven't, you know. Government overreach. Yeah, I, I, I would just like to be, I'm, I'm in agreement. I think we need to have education and I would allow, I mean, it's fine to be there. It's just, 
strange. It, but then people will see these commercials and go, "Oh my gosh, I got anxiety." I see the one is a uh, narcolepsy, and you can go to this uh, website to see if you've got. Nar- they'll ask you like ten questions to see if you got if you're narcoleptic. So, uh, in my so, belief, there would be go see a go see a doctor rather than trying to take something online that may, it's misleading. I mean. It's not going to tell you if you actually have it. You know how many things, if, if you look up, you give yourself anxiety attacks, if you look up different diseases or different things that happen and what's written on the internet. I'm going to... WebMD is a huge offender at this, by the way. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. WebMD can tell you, uh, give you a good guidance, but you have to put all the information there. But at the same time, they could tell you you're having appendicitis, but you're having a pain on the left instead of the right. Well, you know. <laughs> Why? How to come up with that? It just doesn't have a good informational you know the informational brain of that program is not good all right we're hitting at the 125 minute mark um i said we were going to do about an hour and 30 minutes so we're going to start wrapping it up here uh does anyone have anything else to say about any of the issues anything real quick everyone feeling good i I think that about covers it i mean we've covered a lot of stuff this episode i'm I'm feeling really good about everything we've covered all right now the next time what i want people to do this is what happened when we went to the second tuesday or second monday uh constitution group last time is they said to uh come up here and tell us about what a libertarian is and then they said to the second thing is they wanted us to talk about an issue in the constitution and when I was talking, because this is held up in Christiansburg, which is a wonderful place. It's a Fatback Soul Shack, I believe. It's, I've been there. It okay. is a very great okay. restaurant. Th- these folks are libertarian. And I mean, they're awesome. And um, I'd highly recommend to go there. But, uh, or to one of their events or up there to the restaurant. Uh, but what me and Amanda were going to speak about was... What are a constitution amendment? And I want that we're not going to talk about it right now, but uh, is there an amendment that you would remove? You know what I'm saying? Because we yeah. went through it, and there was a couple that we saw, and we said, "Well, let's talk about that." Now, what happened was it got turned into a free for all talkathon. So, what I think next episode, what we're going to do. If you look on there, we might come back and all have the exact same uh, constitutional amendments. So they, and we can just uh, say how we would want to remove it, and we can have uh, more talk about that stuff. Cool. All right. Statewide, I would say uh, if you're a libertarian and you're listening, if you're a member of the party, we are having a convention, state convention, on 14th uh, from 10 o'clock to 5 p.m. Please come out to uh, in Richmond uh, to that convention at the Hoftimers building and uh, enjoy come enjoy yourself down up there in Richmond. Uh, that's going on with the Libertarian Party of Virginia. I am the... Uh, convention conference chair so i'm trying to push that if you're listening from the state of virginia all right so until next time i'm brian i'm dean i'm josh and i'm ben and we will see you later thanks for listening to maximum libertarian you can find us on podbean soundcloud and other places you listen to your podcast also follow us on twitter at we are max lib that's we are Max L.I.B. So until next time, stay free and make sure you vote Libertarian.